This is the Oddfather podcast with Chris Matthews and Pete Court. Hi, this guy here is Chris. He used to be a research scientist in the field of molecular biology until, he reckons, God told him he wanted him to look after a suburban church. And this is Pete, who used to be in commercial media until he became a novelist and started teaching people how to be highly creative. One thing we have in common, we've both met God. Yep, and we love people, but we really love God and we love being his children. But we both find being God's kids can be baffling. So... That's why we got together, not to find the answers, but to try and find the right questions. Well, Chris, welcome to episode five of the Odd Father podcast. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing well. It's good to be here. All right. And after four episodes, people are still talking to you? Uh, afraid so, yes. <laughs> now, the point of the podcast, of course, was uh, we, we love God and we want to think about what that means today. A um, couple of the podcasts that we've already done, we were, we were looking at how to think about the Bible in the first four discussions. We've been looking at what we think about what we've been told about God and the Bible and all that stuff. And it's been a great conversation starter for so many folks. Um, like this little note we got uh, on the email, podcast at theoddfather.net from David. He says, uh, hi, Chris and Pete. Enjoyed the podcast. Question, how did Adam and Eve's family grow from just two people? We really only think, uh, we really think or view these texts through a literal lens or scientific lens, which is an interesting distinction. It's hard when the world poo-poos your beliefs. Um, it is one of those questions that I, I kind of thought had been answered, but for many people, and I'm surprised after doing the first uh, couple of these, how many people have gone, yeah, but what about that? So yeah. what about that? Well, I think, uh, well, it's, it's actually a, a great question. It's a great debate, mm. I think. Um, and in some ways, it's a safe debate um, because the Bible actually doesn't tell us right. about, about that. You can't point and say, well, the, the Bible is right in this, or its detractors can't say, you know, this is wrong. Mm-hmm. The, the Bible treats it as though it's insignificant. Um, and to some degree, I think that if the Bible treats it like that, <laughs> wow, then it's not a question that it's interested in answering. So where did all these people come from? The Bible just goes, nye, 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 whatever, yeah. move on. Uh, but it provides clues, yeah. I guess, that we can form a basis for discussion on, mm-hmm. which I think is really good, mm-hmm. um, depending on how, I guess, we understand how our views of um, genetics, genealogy, <laughs> um, family history yeah. uh, are similar or not mm. to those of the ancient Israelites who actually wrote this stuff. Well, just to pick up on that, uh, the genealogy thing, I mean, you say, you know, God doesn't tell us or the Bible doesn't tell us where all these people came from. And yet, pretty much half the Bible, it seems, is genealogies. Yeah. So um, but there's a lot of begatting going on there. There is. They were shy about that. <laughs> they begat themselves silly. There's lots of family lines and lineages and trees and all that. And the Bible is very, very careful to point those out in all sorts of ways. Yeah. And yet, at the very beginning, where do we all come from is blah. Yeah. Because in, and in some ways that's that's I well I don't think that's unexpected in in the sense that the genealogies that we see are making sure that we recognise the importance between families, right, and between generations. 
Now, of course, it wasn't important in the beginning because there weren't quite as many generations, I guess. <laughs> um, and and, and it's, it's not... Uh, we think of it because we understand genetics more and we understand the, the, the whole idea of inheritance on a genetic level, um, I think we tend to transpose our understanding of that onto this biblical right, uh, right. Uh, narrative about um, genealogy. Uh, whereas I don't think... Well, they didn't know about genetics for a start. Mm. And even if they did, I'm not sure if you read the, the biblical narratives that they would have considered it as important of some of the other characteristics. Right. So, they... so there's two elements of this. There's what the Bible says, which we've all got and we read, and there's what the Bible means. Mm. And what the Bible says about where we all come from is very basic. Yes. In the beginning, God created everything. That's the bit that we need to know. Yes. Exactly how he went about doing that. <laughs> Whatever. Move on. And I think there's a sense in which we get, yeah, okay, so we get stuck in that because we can't use science to understand the Bible because when the Bible was written, there wasn't any science. No, not in, not in the sense that we know it no. at all. Mm. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean you can't approach from a scientific viewpoint. If you want to come from the viewpoint that Adam and Eve were the only two people on earth and that the population evolved from only two people, right. then surprisingly enough, there is scientific evidence yeah. that shows that that is indeed possible. Uh, the, the one caveat to that, of course, would be that the genetic material of the first few generations would have to be uh, mutation-free uh, and and pure in this, the sense that there would be no um, mm. chances of... Um, Genetic abnormalities happening. Bad stuff happening. Yeah. With sisters and brothers. And yes, that sort of thing. All that sort of um, stuff, yes. The reason, I mean... You know, Dodgy begatting, I think, yes. is the technical term. Yeah. Or royal, as, uh, <laughs> as a lot of the <laughs> royal families of Europe would uh, yeah. attest yeah. to, you know. Okay. The Habsburg okay. Uh, mm-hmm. lip mm-hmm. was... Uh, yeah, anyway. Right. Before you get us into trouble. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So so there's 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 that side of it there's mm. there's the science side of it that really to bring science to bear on this is is not necessarily the best thing to do that's not going to tell us that might tell us some of what the story was and of course archaeology is all about digging up the history yes but that's not going to tell us the the why no um and just to fill in the other side of the argument mm. of course if there were other people around there are there are implications in biblical texts that there were others, mm-hmm. um, depending on how people interpret them, then that too is a, a feasible uh, method of, of growing a population. Mm-hmm. So I think you know, th- there's no clear defined thing. In fact, if, if, we, if people want to look up um, resources on this, the Bible Project uh, Ancient Cosmology Episode 7 if you want to uh, look that up online in, on the Bible Project, that has a is a great fifty-minute uh, podcast yeah. on the beginning of that. Mm-hmm. And there's a book quoted in that called "The Genealogy of Adam and Eve: uh, The Surprising Science Ooh. of Universal Ancestry," Ooh. which actually talks about the science yeah. okay. behind some of this. Okay. Um, now, of course, because the Bible doesn't major on this. Mm. Uh, I would encourage people to debate this as points of interest yeah. um, and not hang the hat of faith 
on either opinion. I, I, okay, I think it's interesting, yeah, because I was, I was wondering when you were coming back to that, because you're a scientist, you think scientifically. That was the way you you have been trained to think. Yes. Now you're a pastor, um, not the Italian food type, by the way, boys and girls. Uh, but now that now that you're sort of a church guy. D- does, does that pose problems for you? Do you find yourself trying to read the Bible as a scientific textbook? Or Yes, I did. Uh, when I, I first came to faith, um, my first instinct was to look at Genesis uh, as a scientific... Um, and, and, well, analyze it scientifically. Mm. Um, and I was lucky, I guess, in the early days, I had a, a, a friend who was a... A pastor and a, and a teacher, right. who said that it's you've got to be careful that you read the intent right. of something that's written mm-hmm. um, before you try and analyse it. Um, it's it's and the the example he used was actually the idea of um, people kissing. Right now, if you read a Mills and Boone huh? book, you'll you'll see how you know. People get all hot and passionate, and and uh, you know they they their lips crushed. They sort of um, hug each other. And will, will you, Chris? And, is this is uh, what happens in a Mills and Boone book, isn't it? Um, according I, to my sister, she oh, read right, them a lot. Okay, okay, um, but if you read a scientific <laughs> treatise on kissing, yeah. there would be mention of flaking epidermal cells, um, release of hormones, and. Uh, um, you know, sweat glands becoming active and stuff like that, which very unsexy, but it, yeah. extremely unsexy, and yeah. and basically you wouldn't really want to to read it. It wouldn't yeah. make for very yeah. interesting reading, but it's scientific. But it's for a different purpose. It's it's very much serving so. a different purpose. And okay. um, the book of Genesis in particular is certainly not written uh, as a Mills and Boone book <laughs> <laughs> or as a scientific treatise. So we have to be careful. You know, wh- what is it there for? Yeah. What is it trying to tell us rather than what are we trying to interpret it to mean? So let's listen to it rather than let's talk to it. Mm. Mm. That's always a good start. So we've got to be careful how we read the Bible and what we try to get out of it and what we try to put into it. Um, Another of the emails we got at uh, podcast at theoddfather.net came from Richard who, among other things, um, made the point that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Um, it's, it was quite a, quite a substantial quote he came to. Um, this is true of all the sacred writings, not in the sense of there being works of genius or of supernatural insight, but as breathed into by God. So th- this idea that the Bible is infallible. Um, what do we need to know about the Bible for it to make sense? Does it make sense? Does it need to make sense? And is it infallible? One question at a time. Gosh. <laughs> um, uh, yes, 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 and yes. yes. Excellent. All um, right. So uh, join us next. Let's move on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, now, the infallibility. The Bible is infallible and must be trusted for everything. And this is where this, is where this whole question of um, reading what it means and reading what it says f- tends to really mess people up. I mean, to, for an example, I was chatting with a mate of mine uh, about this and and. She was quite surprised that I didn't believe that the world could be made was made in seven days necessarily, and she said, "But that's what the Bible says." I said, "But the Bible also says that it wasn't because in the first two chapters of Genesis, pretty much the first book of the the first page of the Bible, it contradicts itself. It has one story and then it has another story that follows straight after it, and they're different. So that tells me that there's something else going on there. Yes, but are both stories infallibly true? I, I believe they are." Are they infallibly fact? 
Yeah, I, I think the prob- a lot of the problem lies with our, our understanding of the word infallible. Mm-hmm. Um, for a lot of people, infallible means true. But true is, is a really hard thing to define, um, especially when it comes to uh, the fact that a lot of the, the Old Testament is poetry. Now, poetry tells true things, but it doesn't use the truth to tell it. In fact, it uses hyperbole, it uses repetition, it uses exaggeration. It's more like Mills and Boone. Uh, no, let, no let's, not let's, not, let's, not, <laughs> let's not cheapen. <laughs> you brought it up. Uh, cheapen yeah. the poetry but of the But you're Bible. right, it's, it's, a, it's a different um, mode of communication. Yes. But does that mean it's a wrong communication? Definitely not. Mm. It's, it's, in fact, it's a, I think it's a very powerful mm. communication. But it goes beyond our narrow definition of truth right. to actually make us think. Yeah. Um, and I, I think this is, this is where when we say infallible, we expect that the truth of the Bible can be reduced to a word-by-word um, sort of definition, mm-hmm. which we can then extract the meaning from as we read it. But I think believing that the writers of the Bible were inspired by God and that the words that they wrote um, have no fault mm-hmm. is a very different thing from believing that what I read in the Bible, my interpretation of that is infallible. <laughs> yeah, okay, okay, yes. Yes. Um, and I think that's where a, a lot of Christians fall down because that's the that's the the great way of using the Bible as a um, as a weapon. Yeah. Uh, for for um, supporting your um, opinion or or attitude or mm. or version of of events. If that's you like, that's a really interesting way of looking at it. Actually, I'm just trying to I'm trying to think what we need to what you know to wrap up with a nice question to finish the podcast. I think one of the questions I think would be what, how do we read the Bible? How do mm. we see it? But I think the other interesting question that you've just touched on there that I think will take a lot more debate. What are we using our Bible for? Yes. Can I add a third question? Of course you can. Into the mix. How was the Bible written? Because I know, Pete, you're an author and you've got a new book coming out. Not that I would plug that at all. (laughs) Details Um, available in the show. No. But it it will be coming out soon. It's going to be a great read, I'm sure. Um, Nobody's given me any advance copies or anything like that. So I'm I'm winging it here. Um, But, and, you know, this is an interesting, I think, concept to to think about the Bible. Mm -hmm. When you write a book, the final product, is it different from the first draft? Mm, very. Right. <laughs> very different. In fact, one of the, one of the tenets that we teach at, at, in you know, creative writing classes um, is that creative writing is 20% writing, 80% editing, and it, at, at least 80% editing. So, yeah, even the Bible, I guess, has gone mm. through that 80% editing, has it? I, I would think that that's yeah. a worthwhile discussion to have mm. because the idea that somebody – just wrote it as a continuous yeah. Con- yeah, stream, a stream of consciousness. Of consciousness. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, that would explain some of the Psalms. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's, a, there's another. Ooh, but yeah. I think if, if we can ask the questions of, about what our perception yeah. of uh, what the Bible is saying, how we're interpreting the Bible, and how the Bible was written, 
if we can have uh, discussions about those, then I think mm. we can actually loosen ourselves from some of the preconceived ideas mm. we have about the Bible and, and of the importance of those ideas. So, what do you reckon? We'd love to hear what your questions might be and what sort of answers you came up with. So you can email us, podcast at theoddfather.net or you can jump onto the web, theoddfather.net and check all the socials there and we'll talk to you then. Thanks for your time and keep asking those questions.